In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. Got a great show for you today. We have Jonathan Glass. He's a naturopathic doctor, owner of the Healing Essence Center, author of an alluring new book called The Total Life Cleanse, a 28-day program to detoxify and nourish the body, the mind, and the soul. A compassionate humanitarian who sees well-being through the bifocals of Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine. Jonathan Glass, how are you today, my friend? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. You have got a. You've been pretty busy with. Um, I can only imagine with the crisis that we've went through. You've got a new book out. You got the Healing Center. You know, maybe you could just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about who you are and how you got to be where you're at. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, my name's Jonathan. Thanks for introducing me, George. And I. Um, have been practicing acupuncture and then Ayurveda, which is a system of medicine from India, um, naturopathy since about nine, when was it? Mid nineties. And um, my wife and I have a holistic health center in Concord, Massachusetts, way on the other side of the planet from where you are. <laughs> and um, we, we do a lot of stuff here. You know, one of the things that I do that I got into early in the mid nineties was um, focusing a bit on detoxification, but not just that also lifestyle. So I have the total life cleanse. That's my book. And it's a, it's a big book. It's about 400 pages, but it's real readable. And it has a lot of information about not just how to detox, which is super important, but also some really good lifestyle tips, um, you know, ways to expand our awareness and our connection to our lives like that. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're doing. So my wife is a psychic medium and she, um, she's very, uh, quite well known in this area and she's amazing. And, uh, so we've been, we have a couple other practitioners that work out of here and, um, 
so things have been going really good. Been very busy, like you said. You know, since the pandemic, everything has changed in terms of the types of things we're treating and the mindset of people and the stress levels of people. It's just sort of off the chart. You know, we have a little bit of a calmer zone now, but the things I'm seeing are very different than what they, what what I used to see. What, so what what kind of things are you seeing now that you didn't previously see? Okay. So in one sense, I have to explain it from an acupuncture sure. perspective because when we're looking at when we're looking at um, when we're looking sorry yeah. <laughs> when we're looking at um, the energy in the body that's called the chi or the prana. It's the bioelectric energy of the body, and that travels in very specific ways. So it's kind of like when a meridian, which is related to an organ and also mm -hmm. a mental function, when that system gets really stressed, that system will blow a fuse. It's kind of like the bioelectric energy of the body. Literally, people's energies or their fuses get blown. So now we can tell by feeling the pulse, which fuses are working well, which ones aren't. And during the pandemic, I was seeing a particular block that I had only seen maybe once a month. And I started seeing it five, 10, sometimes 20 times a week. And it basically means a huge part of the system is blown out, not functioning well, and another part of the body of the energy body is trying to take over and doing the job. I liken it kind of to be, um, she just left. I liken it to kind of be like a single mother who mm -hmm. has to work all day long, take care, you know, take care of the kids at night, feed the kids in the morning, get them dressed, take them to school, work all day long, and then do the same thing with no help whatsoever. So that's what's happening to human beings right now is they're getting extremely stressed and um, they just get whacked up. People come in all the time and they're like, you know, I sleep for 12 hours and I wake up and I don't feel any better. You know, that's that's happening. So that particular energy block is really, really common. The other thing I'm seeing a lot of is this mental clarity, you know, issues, low moods, just lower energy. And I have seen an uptick in uh, cancer also, like reoccurrences of cancer. So it's that's kind of what yeah. I'm seeing. That's just an example, yeah. It's fascinating to me. And, uh, you know, when it, it seems to me on some level, we're talking about harmony and balance. And I'm wondering if, if the human body seems to be part and parcel of the planet, because a lot of the things you're describing are the same things that are happening actually on the planet. Like there are these new blockages happening, whether it's through supply chains or whether it's through, you know, these, mm. just these crazy egoistic things or, but it's mm -hmm. weird. Is there, is there, a, is there some sort of line we can draw between the planet's alignment and its meridians and the body's alignment and its meridians? I, I would say absolutely, because when you think about it, what did the, you know, the ancient sages, you know, and the mystics and the yogis and the acupuncture or the Chinese medicine masters and the herbalists, you know, things like that. What did they actually do? They were looking at nature um, and from observing nature and understanding the, the elements of nature, earth, water, fire, air, metal. 
um, or wood like that. And, and they were observing what are the properties of those elements. And they also observed that those very same elements are within the human body. So, you know, in a simple way, if, if uh, you know, it's been raining for three months straight, that's going to create a, a damp condition on the earth. And lo and behold, a lot of the issues that human beings will have at that time will be damp conditions. A damp condition is a cold or a flu or a, you know, feeling heavy or, or foggy headed or something like that. So, so, you know, what's happening in nature will oftentimes show up in the body or aggravate the body. So for example, you know, in Chinese medicine, if somebody has uh, green phlegm in the lungs, that's called damp heat in the lungs. Hmm. So, and in, in, in the herbs and the acupuncture is, is around what are herbs that decrease dampness and decrease heat. They're not thinking, oh, we, he has a bacterial bronchitis infection. It's looking at it from the angle of this person has damp heat in the lungs. So what are herbs that are drying and cooling? And, and now we discover those very herbs actually have antibiotics in them. <clears throat> so in the same way, you know, that's just in terms of nature. Now, if we have things that are obstructing the, those elements in nature, you know, uh, like you said, the food chain, the, yeah. the, the supply chain, nature, chemicals, toxins, so many things that's impacting the, the elements of nature, which is going to also show up in the human body. So there's definitely a huge connection there. No doubt. It's a it's it. Thanks for pointing that out. I think it's a beautiful way to not only understand yourself, but understand your environment and understand that there are, there are signs around you that, Hey, maybe if this thing's happening outside your body, that same thing's directly affecting the inside of your body. And it's, it's a beautiful way to be in harmony right. and, and understand who you are. Right. I wonder if, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think about Chinese medicine, they think about acupuncture, Tai Chi, and herbs. Are those strategies you use, or are you familiar with those strategies? Are those something that you practice commonly when you focus on the Chinese part of what you do? So your voice was breaking up a little oh, bit. I think okay. your question was, yeah, you can re repeat that question again. Sure. So a lot of people, when they think Better of tradition... Okay. When they think of traditional Chinese medicine, they think of uh, acupuncture, Tai Chi, and herbal medicine. Are those some of the most common right. practices that you utilize when working on the Chinese side of, of your practice? Yes. Um, we, use, we use certainly uh, herbs. We use acupuncture, recommend different forms, whether it's yoga or Tai right. Chi, Qigong, something like that uh, is really important. Um, because it's all working with the, the energy in the body, energy in the mind. Um, so it's all working simultaneously. Yeah. And, 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 it, you know, in, in the, the old days, uh, the first treatment was, uh, you know, was things that you could do for yourself. You know, the Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, diet, nutrition, those things are all super important. Um, these days people tend to go to practitioners because they're, you know, they're, I use the technical term kind of whacked out. And then, you know, that's where we have to work on the diet, on the exercise, on how to move the body, how to breathe, all those different basic things that in the modern culture uh, tends to be put on the back burner. But those were the, the first most important aspects 
of both Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, diet, exercise, breathing, you know, like that. And then you would work, then you would do things like herbs and acupuncture. But these days we, you know, we pull it all together. It's kind of like a, um, it's, it's a wild and crazy time. So, you know, we have to come at all different angles, but honestly, that's why we started the cleanse in the late or actually like, yeah, like mid late nineties was because we were finding that no matter how much acupuncture I did or, you know, chiropractic or, you know, and trying to make little recommendations to people, um, you know, there were really difficult patients who weren't making progress. And I had just gotten out of school in 95 and it, it wasn't fun to have the same person come back every week saying they had the same problem, but you knew they had, you know, a lot of lifestyle issues. So we put together a program and, you know, whenever you get people together focused on the same thing and, you know, increasing their level of awareness and, you know, looking at things in life a little differently, quantum shifts tend to happen. And we found that people like even our, what we called our difficult patients made a quantum shift. And so now every week the conversation wasn't like, okay, I'm down to, you know, five Snicker bars a day from 13. <laughs> you know, now it's like, I'm not, I'm eating clean now. I'm eating lots of greens. I'm, you know, I'm eating well, I'm breathing well. I'm drink not, not drinking, you know, nearly as much alcohol, just a little bit of coffee as opposed to 12 cups a day, you know, the whole lifestyle changed. So now it's easy to treat that person. And, you know, the herbs are going to really work well. The acupuncture is going to work really well because they've made those foundational changes. So, you know, that's, that was why I got into that. And it, and it was just, I didn't know, I mean, I didn't know back then there was going to be a big part of my practice, but, I found out how important it is and how essential it is. So. Yeah, it's, you know, I want to get to the topic of cleanses, but before I get there, sure. it seems to me that people who find themselves in a position wanting to help people have often gone through a traumatic experience themselves. And I'm wondering, was there something that pushed you down the road or maybe something that grabbed your hand and said, walk with me, or you know, is there something that took you down the road that you're at today to get you where you are? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, there's probably a number of things, but I would say the most, you know, specific thing was ever since I was really young, I mean, I was premature as a baby, which is, you know, not that uncommon, but that can you know, often mean or indicate that the baby wasn't, isn't getting enough nourishment for some reason, you know, not necessarily fault of the mother, you know, but there could be some issue with that, but that's the understanding now <clears throat> came out a little premature. And then I was very sensitive. And back then a lot of mothers didn't breastfeed. So I was very sensitive to the formula and I couldn't do milk. So I was very sensitive to milk. So I had a lot of uh, severe allergies as a kid had pneumonia twice, I was in an oxygen tent, you know, that type of thing. And then throughout my early years and through my teens, I had horrendous allergies. All of my baseball shirts were always yellow because I was rubbing my nose like that, you know, on the sleeves. Um, and I was athletic. I loved being outside and playing sports and stuff, but <clears throat> it, was, it was pretty bad. And every year I would say I was on an antibiotic, maybe twice a year. Uh, you know, I was a captain of my high school hockey team and, um, you know, half of the season I'm coughing like crazy 
on the ice, you know? So it was always like that. And then what happened was in college, I was playing on the soccer team and I was getting frustrated because I was having lung issues again. And like I said, I was, you know, I was a good athlete and, but the lungs were always getting in the way. And I went to the local health food store in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And I met this really cool guy and Rusty, I still remember him. And he gave me a book called Back to Eden, which was an old naturopathic book, kind of like a Bible. It was this huge book. And it was kind of wild and crazy. And he, he had a, a solution for everything in that book. And I just looked up allergies and it said, stop drinking dairy and, you know, become vegetarian. I'm like, OK, <laughs> <You> know, <so. laughs> overnight. Of course, I didn't know how to be a vegetarian, so I was eating uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day and iceberg lettuce and, uh, you know, and no more milk and cheese. <clears throat> but the crazy thing is I felt better than I ever felt in my life lung-wise. And then later I figured out how to eat better. But that was a transitional experience for me because almost within two weeks, my congestion was gone. My lungs stopped, you know, being filled up. Before a soccer game, because my coach would say, you know, eat a lot of, you know, eat heavy the night before, I would have an extra cheese uh, hamburger pizza the night before a soccer game. And I could barely move the next day. It took me, you know, half the game before I could even start really moving. And I'd be coughing. And I didn't, I don't know how I didn't make the connection, but I never made the connection. And then when I finally changed my diet, everything started changing. And then um, there was a few other things that happened, sort of semi-mystical, you know, connections of, you know, uh, confirmations from the universe saying, move in this direction. And I just became very passionate about it and uh, realized at some point that I was going to be teaching cleanses to people. Yeah, the idea of a cleanse is it's something that's been around for a long time. And yeah, absolutely. it can be it can be such a have so many different dimensions because a lot of people they think of a cleanse as maybe a fast, but you know, right. there's, there's a lot more opportunities or a lot more dimensions to it. Like what about the people in your life that are negative? What about the negative influences in your life? What about your ideas and purging? Like the idea of a cleanse can be so much. So first off, can you define what in your idea, what a cleanse is? And then maybe tell us about the way in which you set up a cleanse. Yeah. So, that's a great question. And I think, you know, what you're saying is absolutely true. And that's, that's why we actually, we used to call it the total body cleanse. Okay. And then we changed it to the total life cleanse. Nice. And, you know, done. we also like the TLC thing, but um, it is, it's about <laughs> your whole life. It's about your whole life. Yeah. Um, cleansing is an opportunity to reset the body, mind and spirit and remove obstacles to our optimal well-being. And like you said, and in Ayurveda, there's a word called ama, A-M-A. Ama means toxin. And in Ayurveda, which is a system of medicine from India, it's like the sister of the yoga system, says that ama or toxin is the cause of all disease. So what does that mean? It, do it doesn't necessarily mean you can't ever be exposed to toxins. But what it does mean is that toxins on a physical level mental level, emotional level, all have to be managed and dealt with. Um, <clears throat> some bodies, you know, excrete, you know, heavy metals, different chemicals better than other bodies. 
But the reality is we're living in the world. And, you know, you think about it in Ayurveda, they would recommend cleansing twice a year in the spring and the fall. That was when the air was pure, the water was pure, you know. Now it's like we're swimming in a sea of chemicals and toxins and heavy metals, over 100,000 chemicals in the environment. Only 20,000 have ever been tested for human safety. I mean, not to mention, you know, all the things that we've been exposed to the past few years. Um, so we have to we have to help the body eliminate those toxins and also strengthen the body so it doesn't hold on to those things as well. But also in doing that, what I found was that a lot of times when we start clearing the body of some of the gunk and start eating better and cleaner, then the mind starts getting clearer. Mm. And then you're able to deal with some of these mental, emotional toxins much more effectively. Like I tell people, okay, if you have, you know, if you're going to a therapist, but you're drinking, you know, five cups of coffee with two tablespoons of sugar in each coffee a day with soda and eating, you know, fast food, that therapy is not going to work nearly as well because you're numbing out your blood sugars all over the map. You know, we're doing so many things to ourselves that are, that are causing imbalance and every organ has an emotional correspondence. So if you're stressing the, the physical liver, you're going to become more irritable. If you're stre- stressing the, you know, the, the, the physical kidneys, you're going to become more anxious and fearful. So by taking the burden off the body, everything you do, everything we do physically, mentally, spiritually is benefited. So, you know, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell is, is, is how I approach cleansing. Yeah. It- it's nice to think of it like gears on a watch and like if one's rusted, mm-hmm. it's not going to turn, you know, but if, if you clean, if you mm-hmm. go in there and clean the rust off piece a, and then you spray the stuff over here, you know, it's going to turn and work better. Like it's supposed to work. Exactly. Little WD 40 for the watch. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting. I, I think that most people, if they're honest with themselves, they know if they sit in quiet darkness or they just take time for themselves they can begin to see what it is they need to work on and if they find themselves you know beginning a cleanse whether it's eating better or whether it's starting to get rid of some people in their life that say mean things to them or that they accept those things you really can begin (coughs) to find a balance and a harmony in your life that can make you live a better life i'm wondering it seems that when we look back at I don't know if, is it, a, am I, I think I might be saying it wrong. Ayurvedic, Ayurvedic? Ayurveda, Ayurveda. Ayurveda. Yeah. So when you look back, there's such a rich history there. And we yeah. see that it is something that has been used not only in India, but has made its way through, you know, different sort of native peoples. And they've used similar methods of, of solving yeah. problems. And then the Western medicine comes in. And it seems that, I, I don't know that Western medicine has always been something that has been driven by profit, but it seems to me that the quest for profit has made Western medicine more of a coping strategy rather than a solving strategy. They want to give you a pill. They want to give you a Band-Aid, get you coming in. And it's almost like everything's based on addiction, where maybe the Ayurvedic way is like, we want to help you understand what the problem is so you can fix it. Am, am I getting that right? In your opinion? I, yeah, I think, I, think you, I think you really are. Um, you know, I... I I have a saying and I mostly believe it 
which is um, I have no problem with Western medicine except for the wrong use of Western medicine. Um, you know, these days there's a lot of wrong use of Western medicine. But, th you know, there are times when, you sure. know, I think a lot of us can be very grateful that, you know, uh, whether it was the antibiotic or the surgery. Of course, an Ayurveda surgery was also part of the, uh, you know, it was part of the system. In fact, Ayurveda, you know, as far as historically was uh, taught the original uh, surgery on the planet. I mean, they were doing it way back then. <clears throat> but I think one of the things is like in Ayurveda means knowledge of life. So in that knowledge of life, it's considering all the elements <clears throat> and it's considering the body, the physical body made of five elements, but it's considering the mind. It's in considering what's called the booty or the innate intelligence, the part of us that has wisdom. It considers the ego. And the ego is not in Ayurveda, is not seen as an evil thing, but the ego can get out of balance, you know. And, and then there's consciousness that's included in the Ayurvedic system. You know, what does it mean to have a smooth consciousness or a rough consciousness? And then there's the Atma, the self, or the or the, the spark of life that, you know, that, that is basically the energy behind everything inside the physical body. And, you know, then it gets even more philosophical than that, you know, in terms of, you know, what's the source of everything? It's part of the whole, you know, cosmic uh, paradigm that it's looking at. But it's a very comprehensive, very, very holistic approach um, that can be, that is, very very effective and can deal with viruses and bacterias and <clears throat> you know all kinds of things but western medicine tends to be a band-aid approach it it doesn't it you know okay if someone has high cholesterol let's just turn it down let's just do a drug to interfere something if somebody has acid reflux then let's just shut off the switch so people won't secrete acid you know, if someone has high blood pressure, okay, maybe, you know, change the diet a little bit, but, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, exercise, that's fine. But we'll just take a drug. So, you know, and then I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm not saying it's not right. ever appropriate. Sometimes it's very appropriate, especially yeah. to get somebody over a hump, you know, but there's ways to do things uh, that, that are not approached that way. And, um, it, and also because, like you mentioned, unfortunately, you know, even if there's some very good things about Western medicine, which there are, if something is so highly driven by profit, if something is so driven by profit, then, sorry about the phone there. That's all right, minor. Okay. Um, then it becomes a problem. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I was just reading today that, there were doctors and pediatricians <clears throat> that were, you know, given a lot of money if a certain percentage of their patients get the vaccine, for example. Mm. Now, that's a, to me, that's a huge conflict of interest because now you're promoting something for a financial gain and you're a doctor. And that's not good. You know, you should be looking at what is the actual benefit, the best thing for that patient, not well, it's 
probably good based on data. There might be some benefit, but you know, hey, I could make an extra forty thousand dollars here. So this isn't good, and that that's true across the board. Pharmaceutical in the pharmaceutical industry, you know, they make their they, they control a lot and they make a lot of money. So there's some big conflicts of interest, which in the in the medical world, I don't want to go to a doctor that has a conflict of interest. You know, I want to go to somebody who really cares, and and a lot of doctors do really care, but a lot of doctors have their hands tied by the rules and regulations of the you know the organization that they're they're, they're working in, you know, the hospital or the setting that they're working in. They can't say anything different than what the policy that's coming from above is telling them. So the system itself, we, we have Western medicine itself, which has some real blessings to it and some real issues, you know, because of some of the drugs aren't great to use or prematurely given to somebody when that person can really just, you know, I mean, we've had people who've had to come off of their high blood pressure medicine because their blood pressure started getting too low during the cleanse. You know, because but just by changing their diet, <clears throat> blood pressure came down. Their cholesterol numbers came way down. They didn't. They don't need the medicine anymore. So, you know, there are cases where, damn, if somebody's blood pressure is so high that they're in danger of having a stroke, give them the damn medicine. You know, and then try to figure out how to bring it down in a healthy way. <clears throat> so, yeah. So the you know the medicine itself can have an issue. But even even in the you know in a good case scenario of the of a healthy good solid use of Western medicine, like I said, there are many ways in which it's awesome. If it's driven by money and financial interest, that's a problem, and that's kind of the world that and that's I would call that a toxin. That's a big toxin in the uh, you know pharmaceutical industry right now so it's a big problem yeah that's really well said I, and i i'm glad that you would put it that way i there are cases where we are really fortunate to live in a world where we have the technological prowess of western medicine and they do great Ooh. things at times it seems to me on some level the breakdown of spirituality has really caused medicine to be lacking and what i mean by that is you know the breakdown of the spiritual connection, the idea that, you know, it seems to me big pharma is able to get into medicine because of a lack of morality on some level. And mm. that I think has a spiritual connection to it. And, you know, maybe what we're seeing, well, maybe what we're beginning to see is like this idea, this merger with all this chaos that we saw and all this, you know, clinical testing on people that were unaware of it with just, you know, sticking people with these drugs that we've never tested and the profit margin and the, the, just the violation of the Nuremberg code and all, all these things. Maybe what we're beginning to see is something of a merger between Eastern and Western medicine. Like what, it's kind of beautiful to think about. We got people like you and we have people that are really willing to help people cleanse their body, willing to provide people with the natural way of getting better. And on top of that, also having the avail availability of a you know disaster management. If your appendix breaks, you can be rushed to the hospital. And in That's some ways, I, I'm feeling like we're beginning to see this merger kind of coming together, like a whole holistic approach of this merger of the two. Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you hopeful to see that? Or do you see that kind of happening? Or do you have 
maybe some concerns about I that? Do. I mean, do. I mean, I see plenty of, I see, you know, plenty. I oh, it looks like we lost him here for a minute. Yeah, I think that the real issue is that the for-profit model of medicine is a big issue. And that if we can find a way... Oh, there you are. Now you're back. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just talking while I, you kind of clipped out on us right there. So I was just filling some time right okay. there. Okay. So um, should I continue? Yeah, please. Okay. So, um, yeah, so there's 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 definitely a movement toward that trend, no doubt. Um, and I think a lot of, and I think it comes in waves, um, you know, even after this, what we've been through recently, you know, many doctors have become disillusioned with what they've been doing because they've, they saw some things work and they saw some things that they believed and they saw, now they're seeing some things that they believed that they are, are you know, didn't happen or aren't true or aren't accurate. So there's waves of this. The, so in one sense, in one realm of reality, the two worlds are, are blending really nicely because, you know, science, for instance, uh, genetic testing can be really interesting and really amazing. Um, one of the problems with genetic testing, some companies are selling your information, you know, so that's not good. You know, I don't want my DNA sold to some lab in China or America for that matter. And that's what they're doing. Some of these companies are doing that. There are some DNA testing companies that have come out recently and they're not doing that. And they promise they're not going to do that. They're going to keep it in house, but the data is really interesting and it's really kind of fascinating to look at like, okay, Ayurvedic body type or Chinese body type, comparing it to the genetic and, and seeing where those crossovers happen. Because it's really coming down to the constitution, like what is, you know, what is your, what are your tendencies? Because in Ayurveda, that's what we're looking at. Like one of the things is, you know, what happens to you when you go out of balance? Like what's the patterns that tend to happen? And if we can learn to identify those patterns, then we can manage them better rather than, you know, as I say in Ayurveda, better to be yourself imperfectly than try to be someone else perfectly. <laughs> so, you know, so, so that's what understanding our, our gifts and understanding our limitations physically, mentally, and emotionally is, is and spiritually is a good thing. And so the genetic testing helps us with that too. So that's, and that's what using Western science, you know, imaging can be really helpful. You know, like taking a look inside the body. I mean, why not? But then what you do with that, that's the issue. Like sometimes people say, well, I don't want to go to the doctor because he's going to tell me to do blah, blah, blah. So, well, no, get the diagnostics, get your blood work, get the scan. You know, if, if it's a scannable thing, a thing that really should be looked at. And then, then we decide afterwards, you know, you're not under no obligation to take that drug or do that surgery. You can then you can think about it Then you can, you know, get your advice. You can get a second opinion. You can go to this maybe a more naturally oriented doctor and see if they can help you with that, you know? So the world can really be bridged, but like to your point before the issue is we have this huge financial uh, control mechanism, which is controlling many, many doctors. I mean, a lot of doctors, for example, uh, couldn't recommend certain drugs to their patients or else they'd get fired. 
but many doctors are coming out now, you know, saying that this doctor, not naming names, but all the doctors in this hospital were taking those drugs themselves, but they weren't allowed to give it to other people because they'd lose their job if they did. So that ain't right. There's something wrong with that, right? So because yeah. of the control, the, the, the top, you know, the, the control coming from above, from these, you know, CDC, WHO, controlling what they're allowed to say, what they're allowed to do, means a lot of doctors barely can think. They're not even really allowed to use their intelligence, you know, outside the box of those particular areas. So it's, that's a problem. And like, yeah. and on the other hand, there's many doctors that are like, yeah, let's, you know, the worlds are, are merging. So, you know, it's almost like the world's moving in two different directions. Yeah. It's there. We have a comment that came on and it kind of, I think you touched uh, on, on, um, I think you touched on a lot of the ideas, but maybe you have some other points that you could address to this comment. The comment is from Benjamin C. George at the No Absolutes podcast, and he says, for-profit medicine, therapy, etc., is a broken pillar of society that justifies its necessity due to runaway capitalism. Our foundational philosophies of effort, worth, and value are flawed. Any thoughts on that? Said very beautifully. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Said very beautifully. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 you you summed it up you summed it up in a really nice way, and you know, uh, you know, in Ayurveda, it's it's said you know a, a student or a doctor is said to never be willing to recommend an herb or anything to a patient unless they've they've taken it themselves, mm. unless they're willing to take it themselves, you know, so. There, there's, there's many, I've heard many situations where, you know, certain doctors are not willing to do this, that, or whatever, but they have to recommend something because it's part of a broken system based on greed. Mm. You know, it's based on greed. What are you going to, you know, what can you say? It's based on greed and flawed studies. I mean, the yeah. studies, <clears throat> that Pfizer study was one of the worst studies on the planet. I have a doctor, a friend of mine, a anesthesiologist who works for um, Children's Health Defense, you know, Robert Kennedy's organization. Sure. And, you know, he um, he's doing some great work. And he's he's he and a couple of his colleagues have just picked apart that study, you know, like really with fine hairs. And it's unbelievable how bad that study was, how flawed it was. And it was unbelievable the marketing that we got about how beneficial, you know, those things were going to be for us. But it was, it, it wasn't based on reality. You know, the, the flawed, the studies were very flawed, but intentionally flawed. It's very clear. I mean, you can only assume that they were intentionally flawed. I mean, I can't say that for a fact. Right. But, you know, for example, the, uh, the, 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 the second after the second shot of the Pfizer study, um, over 300 people left that study, were, were removed from the study, and only 60 from the non-shot. And the strange thing is, when they studied children, the exact same thing happened. So why did those 320 people get removed? 
Nowhere is it said why. All it says was inconsistencies. There were some, you know, it, it just, and you can only, you know, how can we not assume that they, and the, the patients or the people in the study, it wasn't blind. The people doing the study knew who were on the placebo and who were not. They knew. We're in a real study. You don't do that. So, you know, the administrators knew. So anyway, there's a lot of, pro that was just like tiny little problems um, of that study, but it was, it's just crazy when you really pick it apart. So that's just an example of how, you know, big money can make a study and they can use the, the marketing arm of media and, you know, basically repeat something enough times that people believe it. And not to mention media <clears throat> has a, you know, a frequency of being quite hypnotic. Mm. And some people who pride themselves as being anti, <laughs> anti-hypnotic, anti-cult, thinking you're, you know, thinking for yourself. When you watch television, you know, if you put me in a room with television and good food, you know, for a week, maybe have someone come in and massage my feet every once in a while, I will believe what's on that television after a week. You know, if the, you know, I mean, really, I mean, it's hypnotic, it's comfortable, pretty faces, nice sounds, everything's done so expertly. You know, we get we get hypnotized, we get brainwashed very, very easily. And it's, you know, people wonder, like, how can this happen? But it's the technology of brainwashing. I mean, we know about brainwashing before television, not to mention television now. So I'm kind of going off on a little. No, it's beautiful. Thing there, it's but, beautiful. Yeah. Let me let me let me throw it back to you this way, just for the just for the just for the sake of conversation. Let me play devil's sure. advocate. So in the world today, we have over ten thousand baby boomers retiring a day. When we look at the potential for Alzheimer's, uh, debilitating diseases, and we look at the technology for vaccines that have been grown in eggs for the last fifty years, we haven't really made any meaningful headway on on diseases like alzheimer's we've just recently found out that all the drugs they were using they're about as good as a placebo and so when you're as a government when you're as a, an industry looking <coughs> at this giant cliff and the bus is about to go off of it you know might it be that hey we have to start testing some real things on people and maybe this maybe getting the body to fight diseases by injecting stuff in there and getting the body with these new mrna vaccines turning the body into a, its own factory to destroy dilapidating diseases. We're, we're just going to have to do it. We're going to have to start testing on people. And I'm sorry, it's a horrible thing. We're not going to let people know about it. But in the end, it's going to be something that benefits all of humanity. So we've done the cost-benefit analysis. A lot of people are going to die, but we can't afford to do it. We can't help all these people. We're going to have to start testing. Let's just do it. What? Like I know that's wrong. But when you look at the face of disaster, when you look at the monetary cliff coming, why not do it? When you say the monetary cliff, meaning because it costs so much to um, maintain sick people? Like the amount of money that healthcare is going to cost countries in the next 50 years is going to be great, almost greater than GDP. And you're going to have more people who are out of the work system and the amount of money people paying taxes can't afford that. 
Like you can't physically afford well, to pay for all the sick people that are coming. So what do you do? Right. I mean, the bottom, the bottom line really is, is the paradigm that um, they're coming from. Yes. If we keep, you know, if we keep poisoning people with toxic food, toxic water, toxic herbicides, pesticides, you know, uh, which cause cancer, uh, you know, <clears throat> cardiovascular disease. So we're going to have an, a sicker old population, you know, and, and yes, with more Alzheimer's and senility and, yeah. you know, so the statistic you know, will be more of that. So if you're gonna, uh, if you're going to, if you, if you, how oh, can I even say this? If that's the paradigm that you're saying, you know, if, if we, <laughs> I can't even talk. If that's the way it's going to go, right? If, if, okay, the paradigm is, doesn't matter what we eat. We eat chemicals, we eat pesticides, we eat bad water, we eat junk food, we drink too much alcohol. We, you know, you know, have Wi-Fi buzzing everywhere through our bodies. <laughs> we, you know, take 80 vaccines as children, you know, okay. So now when everyone's 50 years old, they start losing their brains. Okay. Well, maybe there's something we can do to get people to be 75 and live with a brain maybe, and then they'll just die. Okay. Very nice. Perfect. So it's, it's just, a, it's like coming at the whole thing from the wrong perspective. Right. right. That's the problem. I mean, I understand what they're saying. They're saying it's like, okay, here's my, here's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, whatever. I remember, uh, during the Iraq war, you know, there was a, there was a time when, you know, there was a lot of argument about like, should we go to war? Shouldn't we go to war? And then we went to war. And then the, one of the first things in the media was, how dare you people criticize the war? There's people fighting for our country. How dare you? You know, you're, you're, you're basically selfish, uncompassionate people because you're, 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 you shouldn't be, uh, criticizing the war because therefore you're really criticizing the people who have gone there to sacrifice their lives for you. How dare you? But the problem is if I didn't really believe that that war was worth fighting, it's not that I'm criticizing the people that have gone there. I'm criticizing the guys who decided to make it happen, you know, and I don't believe the war should happen. So to kind of say, okay, now we need all these vaccines now, because things are so bad that we got to do something. It's like saying, it's not acknowledging all the other bad stuff, all the other bad decisions that yeah. led to this point, which if we're going to be thinking in this linear line of forcing the physiology in a certain direction, not considering anything else, then, you know, it's like, it's like saying we're not looking at our mistakes. You know, we're not looking at what, what God is. And that's the whole purpose of Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, you know, modern, uh, you know, uh, medicine that does real solid testing, 
blood testing, stool testing, urine testing, hormones, you know, looks at it from another, another angle, looks much deeper at the body, genetic testing. So you can look at the cause, the upstream causes of what's going on. That's the problem. They're just treating symptoms again. That's all they're doing is treating symptoms, symptoms, symptoms. And if you treat symptoms, you just get sicker. You know, if I take Advil every once in a while, you know, I mean, I, I've, I take it maybe, I have taken it maybe once every <laughs> couple of years. You know, if I'm like, really, I'm like, the hell with them, just give me something, I'm <laughs> suffering, you know. Yeah. But, you know, but if I remember when Advil first, first came out, I was like, hearing people say i can go to the gym now i take it every single day now when i go to the gym and i take it like i'm going to take this stuff the rest of my life but then what happens we find out later that yeah you know not only does it decrease inflammation but it prevents healthy immune response and therefore your stomach falls apart and your kidneys start falling apart and your blood vessels get injured you know because you're treating a, a symptom uh, way up way downstream it's like a river that's polluted and you just keep, you know, going way down the river and cleaning it up, cleaning it up, cleaning it up. But if you go really where the cause of the pollution right. is and you take care of that, then the rest of the river will be clean. So we're, you know, we really have a backwards approach. And I hear that argument that you're saying, and yeah. there's a way in which, yeah, you know, okay, you know, we got to do something, but the something is coming from like, out of left field and it's not it's not based on natural laws it's not based on the human being it's not based on the respect for life it's not based on the reality that human beings have a purpose here that we have a dharma we have a purpose we're we're spirit souls in a body and we're meant to grow in our heart and our consciousness and you know understand who we are that system of medicine could care less about that that system of medicine is Okay, you live for a few years, try to eke out as much pleasure, and then die. It's like there's no intelligence to what's the purpose of life. And, and, and how do we, how does what we put in our body and what do we do and how does that affect our consciousness? It's as if consciousness isn't real. You know, but it is real. We're, we're human beings. We're, you know, human beings, according to the, the Vedic understanding, it is the greatest gift to have a human form of life. It's a, a great, great gift and potential because we can actually, I mean, there's a lot of things, but one of those things is we can actually begin to understand who we really are. Yeah. Like, who am I? What is the purpose of my life? What is love? You know. So it's, anyway, that was a, hope that wasn't too long, but that's, that's an answer to that question. <laughs> no, it's it's beautiful because I, you know, and I don't necessarily believe the the idea of what I said, but I I always like to get people's opinion, and I, yeah. you know, I, I like the way you said it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta push it, you know, and and that way people have ammunition to fire back when they hear that argument or they have some competing ideas to think about it and make up their own mind. But I, I love the way you the metaphor of the river because I it seems to me that if we just look at all of us, all the people on the planet as one organism. We're all suffering this narrow, short-sighted view, whether it's cleaning up the river at the end instead of cleaning it up at the source, or whether it's just trying to make it through the day instead of seeing the long-term you know, consequences of things. But it seems that there's this narrow, short-sighted view that is plaguing humanity. 
whether it's through monetary problems, whether it's through government or whether it's through healing. And when we as the individual, we do the cleanse for life or we begin to clean up our own body, we cleanse our own spirit, then it's like you're doing your part to clean up the world. Like you, you begin cleaning up you. Now you can go and influence other people and point them in a direction of how you've done it. And it piggybacks on the idea that you talked about. If you're going to prescribe something for somebody, be it a treatment, an herb, or a strategy, it's probably best that you have done that strategy, tried that herb, or tried that thing before. Because how right. else do you know it works? And so I, I, I just I think it's beautiful what you said, and it, it makes me think things. And that's always the sign of a great conversation is when you begin having new ideas and stuff. I'm I'm curious. Can you tell me what is it? What is a day in the healing essence center look like like what does a day for you look like <laughs> well here's my treatment room okay <laughs> nice um so uh yeah i come in you know in the morning i i i uh i start my day usually around 9 30 10 o'clock in the morning and i do my meditation and everything that in the morning to help me stay focused and Connected. And um, so I, I see uh, usually about eight or 10 patients in a day. And I uh, have a couple treatment rooms and will often I do something called muscle testing, kinesiology. Um, and, and then we do some acupuncture points and make some dietary nutritional recommendations and then go to the next person. So that's what I'm doing all day long and hearing all kinds of stories and tales and you know, dealing with the different conditions and the stressors and the issues that people are going through right now and the health issues that they're going through right now. So, yeah. And then when I'm not doing that, you know, we'll do a cleanse a couple times a year, uh, spring and fall. And then also I'm, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one cleanses with a lot of people. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my day. Yeah. It sounds awesome to me. Have you have you found, we've already talked about a connection between meridians on the planet and meridians and people, but as you begin telling me a little bit more about acupuncture and blockage, what, like, what have you learned? It seems to me that when you begin applying strategies that help people, you learn a lot about your own life and your own connections and your own blockages. Mm. Have you, have you learned a lot about mm. relationships in yourself while you work on humans or has that, has that treatment actually taught you things? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, well, for one thing, when you work, when you get to do the, I guess you could call it the the privilege of doing healing work, sure. it's pretty amazing. And um, oftentimes my energy will shift when I show up for another person. So I was saying that the, the foundation of healing is presence or presence is a foundation of healing. And it's just the intention of being present. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. You know, that that was something that I kind of figured out. And, you know, I had some good teachers along the way. And um, but it's really important, just the intention to be present for another human being and really hear what's going on. Um, it means that that I get to slow down within myself and I can be more perceptive about myself because I'm slowing down for someone else, too. <clears throat> and then in my personal relationships, I try to do the same. You know, I try to do it with my wife. I try to do it with my son. Uh, not that I always want to be in healing mode because that's not, you know, but just being present, whether it's, you know, even just having a good time and, and 
talking about, you know, nothing of great consequence, but being present is, is hugely important. So I would say that's one of the most important things. Um, but yeah, you know, seeing oftentimes in healing too, it's just the way it works where, you know, I might be going through some kind of issue and then the person right in front of me, they start articulating exactly what I'm going through. It's like, wow, this is wild. Yeah, That happens yeah. a lot, you know, yeah. and then you just kind of surrender and go, okay, that's just the universe, you know, gone are the days that I think I have to be perfect in order to be a healer. Now I want to keep working on myself. You know, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you don't want to get stagnant. You got to keep moving forward. Um, I think that's important because there's kind of a saying, if you don't move forward, you're going to, you, you start going backwards. So you got to keep moving forward, but perfection is not the, the goal, you know, but being as aware at being the best you can be at, at any given moment is the goal. And the, the miracle is, or the mystical thing is that that's enough. And that creates a healing space for people just showing up and being present creates a healing space. And, and then you use, you know, I, then I use the tools that I've been given. And that's another thing. I appreciate the tools now that I was given from my acupuncture teacher in the nineties, more than I did back then, I tell you, and more than I did 10 years ago. There was even a time like years ago that I was like, hmm, this is a little boring. Maybe, maybe there's not as much to it as I thought. You know, there was a little phase there. And then, oh my gosh, there's stuff that I can do with acupuncture that, you know, when you can do it and you do it on a regular basis, sometimes you think other people, you know, or, or that it's normal, it's not normal. I mean, it's, it's such a gift to have certain tools. And a lot of healers have their tools, you yeah. know, whatever it is they do that, that they really hook into and it really works for them. So, you know, over time, you know, trusting more uh, you know, my own gifts as a healer. I mean, I think I'm doing what I'm here to do. And also uh, being grateful for the gifts that I've been given and the great teachers I've had. And just keep trying to show up and be the best that I can with each person as much as possible. I mean, that's, that's the blessing of it. I mean, that's why I love doing this work is that every day it gives me the chance to show up, you know, and, uh, you know, one of my teachers says, leave yourself outside the door. But another way of looking at it is bring your real self inside the door and, you know, you know, let go of the other stuff that doesn't matter so much. So that's a nice opportunity too, you know, to, to be able to go, okay, you know, I'm worried about this, this situation in my life, but okay, I'm just going to show up right now and just be here and, uh, and, and see what magic happens. And a lot of times magic happens. Yeah. yeah, I think magic happens more than people thoroughly understand. I think it's happening all the time yeah. and we just don't have the language yeah. to describe it. I'm, exactly. I'm curious. I'm curious about when you talk about tools and healing and mentors and plant medicine, there's been sort <coughs> of a, a, a renaissance almost, or maybe that's not the right word to use, but it seems to me that there's been a lot of people beginning to turn towards plant medicine to heal PTSD, like they're turning to psilocybin mushrooms or mm -hmm. ayahuasca mm -hmm. or these medicines mm -hmm. that have been, you know, in different cultures for thousands of years, probably. I'm wondering, are there yeah. tradition, are there some sort of uh, psychedelic medicines in the, in the Chinese medicine I've, that maybe you're aware of? 
in the Chinese medicine, you know, um, there's definitely, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know if, if, uh, if they were used in that way. I know in Ayurveda they were, mm-hmm. um, Chinese, but in Chinese medicine, there's definitely a, a, a wide, um, cornucopia of herbs mm. that are, that do affect the consciousness and the mind in different ways. So there's definitely that whole realm in terms of herbs that are used, you know, sort of like uh, ayahuasca, that type of thing. I don't know, honestly. I have not heard. Of, I have not heard of anything. It's a really good question. Yeah, yeah I, I've, I've seen some stuff like Tonkat Ali and like just the different herbs that are used. And it's so amazing to me how the right person with the right education in those herbs can fundamentally change, help someone change their point of view or seeing the world or, or maybe mm-hmm. catch a glimpse yeah. of clarity that can change yep. them. Cause ultimately they're going to have to do the work, but it's, it's, it's amazing to me. And I, I really admire the ability to combine the spirit, the <coughs> mind and the soul. And I think it's a big part mm-hmm. of medicine. I, um, we're getting close to yeah. time. I, yeah, let's yeah. talk, look, maybe we could talk just a little bit more about the book and the cleanse yeah. and, and um, maybe you can tell us what inspired you to, to write that book. Like I'm sure you've been doing medicine for quite some time. And now all of a sudden the book comes out. And what is it that you hope the book achieves for people? Um, the book was, ins- I mean, the book was, I actually thought the book was going to be really easy to write because we had PowerPoint <laughs> slides for our whole cleanse. Right. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll get this done in a couple months because I just have to basically write the, you know, put words in between the PowerPoint slides and uh, it became a whole nother thing. It was like yeah. a whole life in and of itself. And um, I really wanted to try to communicate uh, in a very mm, easy, like deep, profound, but easy way, you know, yeah. the basic principles of, of health and healing and Ayurveda and the reasons for detoxification. So the first half of the book is all about that. Second half is how to do the cleanse. Um, So people really like the book when they read it because it, and Ayurveda and Chinese medicine inherently does this, is that it automatically opens up your worldview. And that's one of my, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is I believe that when we open up our worldview, and it's somewhat, not somewhat, quite coherent. That it's it's a it's a very healthy way to enter into expanding how we see ourselves, how we see the world, how we take care of ourselves. And it's very, you know, I I value supporting people in growing in physically, not just physically, but in their consciousness as a human being. I, I I'm very passionate about that. So. My book is is a strong nudge toward that with a lot of information in there that 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 seems to do it. I also found that the book, not to get too out, not so esoteric, but I find that people just reading it, it automatically opens up their mind. It's not like, um, yeah, I mean, it just does that because the principles are so solid, they're actually common sense. It's like it appeals to the natural, innate intelligence that's in everyone. And it has enough logic, has enough spirituality, has enough science, 
that it's very appealing to the mind and the heart and the consciousness. And therefore it inspires people to make positive steps in their health and well-being. And it has enough practical stuff in there. You can just open and go, yeah, this is going to help my health, you know? So, so that's why I did it. So that now, you know, people who have done the cleanse, they can use it as a tool during the cleanse. I have people read it during the cleanse um, because what you're putting in your mind, you also have to digest, you know, everything we, everything we eat, mm-hmm. everything we see, everything we hear, everything we touch, everything we smell, we have to digest it, you know? And in this age that we're living in, of age of anxiety, I call it, you know, Kali Yuga. It's, Kali it's Yuga. a very stressful time, right? And everybody's anxious for the most part, to some degree. And um, a lot of that is because we're taking in so much that's disturbing the nervous system, disturbing the mind. We have to digest that and process it and let it go. So that's another reason it's good to cleanse because we have some time just to kind of go, you know what, let's just chill it all out you know, come off the social media. It used to be we used to have to tell people, you know, stop watching so much television. But, you know, that's that's like nothing. Hold on one second. Yeah, of course. Oh, you know, my patient just got here. So no, I actually I understand. No problem. Well, I really appreciate your time. And I'm sure we'll be back to talk again. And I'm thankful awesome. for, yeah, it really was. I'll put the show, I'll put the links to the show notes. I'll put the links to the book and the center in the show notes. Everybody check out Jonathan. Awesome. He's a great person to talk to and I appreciate what you're doing. I'll let you get out of here. Thank you. Is there anything you want to say? Sure. Before? Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Okay. Aloha. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Aloha everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the true life podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.